Welcome to the Coming Clean Podcast with your host, Peter O. For over 25 years, entrepreneur, speaker, and CEO Peter O. Estevez has built businesses all over the world, and today he shares his experiences, failures, and successes along the side of some of the most sought-after thought leaders to help you pave your way to success. Please welcome to the show your host, Peter O. Estevez. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Coming Clean Podcast. This is your host, Peter O. Estevez. Welcome. Today, we have none other than Marina Worry. Hello, Marina. Hi, Peter. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you for inviting us to this incredible facility. You know, Marina is the CEO of Network Marketing Pro, and she's also the CEO of Worry Studios, which is where we're recording live from today. An incredible, incredible, incredible facility. But we go into that in a few minutes. Tell us a little bit about who you are and what is Network Marketing Pro. So uh, I'm originally from Ukraine. I was born and raised there. I'm only 13 years in the United States. My husband is the reason why I moved to this country. And, uh, you know, it's been interesting because, like, I've been an entrepreneur since I was a little girl. Uh, I think I tried to sell something for the first time when I was three. <laughs> I opened my own <laughs> business when I was 18 years old. And I joined my first network marketing company when I was 21. And uh, it was an interesting journey, you know. I feel blessed because since I was a little girl, my mom always told me, you can achieve everything you want in life. You're smart, you're powerful. And I was naive enough, and I believe that. And so I started my journey with kind of like all this excitement and energy and like I can move the mountains, I can achieve anything I want in life. And then uh, life started happening to me, you know, like to a lot of people. And uh, I became a single mom. I lost all of my assets. I lost my business. Um, but most importantly, I lost confidence. Wow. I lost myself. That was the hardest thing, you know, because my previous relationship was um, verbally abusive. And, you know, first of all, like especially when people are in a physical abuse, that's the horrible thing. And nobody should ever go through that. But for me, the verbal abuse was harder because I see like you can take a pain, you know, the bruise is going to heal. But what do you do when uh, you break my heart? You know, what do you do when you break my soul? Like, how do you recover from that? How do you heal that? So that was the place when I found myself in my mid-30s. And it took me time, you know, it took me time to find out again who I am, you know, find that strength and find that power. And, you know, so I can raise my kids properly instead of just, you know, being a beat up homestead mom. So, and that was the time when I found my husband. That was the time when I rejoined network marketing. And through that business, I found my husband, Eric Worry, and we started this um, amazing journey together. And that's when actually, that was the time when network marketing pro started as a company. And it was interesting because there was nothing to buy, nothing to join, nothing to attend. Um, I don't know if you know Jim Rohn. Uh, he was absolutely, a really uh, big hero for Eric. And Eric was thinking like, you know, what if Jim Rohn had a, like a little camera and followed himself with that camera everywhere he went on all of his adventures? Or if he had a, like a thought or idea that he would like to share with the world and he would just turn on the camera and say it. And we would have this amazing library of great content uh, from uh, Jim Rohn. So Eric says, like, you know what? I'm going to start doing it. And he just started recording videos, and he put 
like over 2,000 videos in uh, like less than two years. And it was fascinating because all of a sudden, you know, the brand started growing and people was like, oh, how can I find out more? How I can attend something or learn something or buy something? And that's how the whole company started. Wow. What a powerful story, Marina. And I want to touch on a couple of things that you said that are very, very powerful. First of all, you said, uh, I've been an entrepreneur all of my life. And I truly believe that many people, particularly from our kind of backgrounds, from disadvantaged communities, mm -hmm. from disadvantaged, from third world countries, from, um, we are uh, entrepreneurs by default. Yeah. We become very resourceful. We, we learn how to make things happen out of necessity the majority exactly. of the time. But the other thing that touched me very deeply that you said is my mother told me I could do anything that I wanted. And I was naive enough to believe that. Yeah. That is a powerful statement. Because I think also in our communities, one of the things that we have and hold dear to our hands is not only our values, mm -hmm. but also the value that our parents impose on us or, or teach us or pass down to us. And you have gone on to become a huge multi-level marketing company and have power and changed the lives of many, many, many women across the world. In fact, you had one of the probably, if not the largest event just recently, over 180,000 people. Yeah. Okay, so how did you go from a broken woman mm. to transforming the lives of millions of people? How did you reset that mindset? What was that secret sauce, for lack of a better word? Right. So first of all, like you said, our upbringing and uh, the the way that we are raised uh, makes a huge impact on who we've become, especially at the younger age. You know, before we create our own experiences, before we create our own habits and understanding and uh, belief system, right? right? So the upbringing plays a huge role. So like I said at the beginning, my mom, she installed that in me. And even though I was broken emotionally at that time, I still had, you know, somewhere deep down in my head that, you know, this is not how my life is going to end. This is not where I'm going to, because like I'm not a quitter. You know, I'm a fighter by nature and uh, I... I, I don't accept um, failure as, as a final destination. I understand that failure is necessary to get to the top, but that's not where my story is going to end. And I always like one of the things that kind of like I had since I was a little girl, I always thought that I'm a character in the movie. You know, and um, as any movie pretty much you watch, the character going to go through ups and downs and they're going to learn the lessons and they're going to fail. But then at the end, they're going to become a hero. So I always thought that, you know, my character going to go through those roller coasters and ups and downs. And I always hope that at the end of the movie, I'll be a hero. And that's what that image stuck with me. And I was like, you know what? One of the things that changed me dramatically was because I was uh, raising two kids at the time when I met Eric. And like a lot of women, I was in the thought process of, am I a bad mom? You know, am I a bad wife? Because all the nonsense that I was told um, that I believed and bought into was diminishing my self-esteem, diminishing my self-worth and my values. And when I was believing that, Eric told me, you know what? Because I was trying to stay in that miserable relationship for the sake of my kids, you know, because I thought that that's the right thing to do as a loving and caring mother. That's what you need to do. Another limit to believe in our communities and our cultures. Exactly. Yes. yes. Because like we mess up the priorities of what is going to serve our kids best and what is actually going to destroy them. So Eric, when I was telling him that, you know, I should probably, you know, stick to this relationship and try to make it work and see if 
I can change that person or whatever and sacrifice my love to Eric. And he said, like, what do you think is going to serve your kids better? Seeing you living your fulfilling life, being who you are, living your dream, being happy, being loved, or uh, don't you think they're not seeing that you're crying yourself to bed every single night? Wow. And, you know, don't you think that that sets a bad example for them? And I was like, man, he was so right. And at that moment, I was like, you know what, because my life almost like went in front of my eyes in a split of a second. And I thought about it because one day my kids would come to me and somebody would tell them boo. Somebody would tell them no. Somebody would question and doubt their abilities. And I would be the mom cheering them on and telling them, you go reach for the stars. You can achieve everything you want in life. You are meant for so much more. But then they would ask me why you didn't do it. Why haven't you done it? Exactly. And I was like, and I will not have an answer for them. So in order for me to have that answer, I need to go and make it happen. Wow. 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 Powerful. A character in a movie that has its ups and downs ends up with a happy ending at some point. Yeah. And how has that transpired into empowering thousands of women across the world through the network marketing program. How do you apply your mindset to be able to change the lives of others? Well, because I've been in this place, right? And I feel because our company, we provided generic training to everybody inside of network marketing space. So we didn't own a company. We're not associated with any company specifically, but we view ourselves as applying to the entire world of network marketing, to the entire profession. And what it's interesting inside of this profession, we have 74% of all the participants are women. Wow. Around the world. And if you look at the structure and if you look at the top of the companies, there is no 74% of the top uh, all the female top in commerce. Sure, absolutely. So it's just way smaller percentage. And I started asking myself, like, why is that? You know, why is that the case? If we represent the majority of the profession, why we do not represent the top? And I think, that, especially for my own experiences, I think that as women, we don't give ourselves permission to dream big. We don't think we're capable. We don't think we're worthy. And because of that, we're dimming our light. And when I realized that and knowing where I came from, you know, knowing that I had that strength and had that power and I lost it, I realized that there are so many women who've been in a similar position who either had that courage, had that um, power inside of them and belief inside of them, and then they lost it. Or millions of other girls who were told since they were little, you're nothing, you're nobody, you're just a woman, you're just a girl, you will never dream big dreams. So when I saw and realized that there is, there are so many women that need that message, that they need that belief in themselves. And uh, seven years ago, I started that uh, event for the most powerful women in network marketing. So I can, first of all, showcase what this profession is all about and help women to believe in themselves and help them to step into their true power. So that's how it was born. But like I said, it all came out of my own experiences and the necessity that I saw in our profession. I love it. Tell us exactly what is network marketing and what is the entry cost to that enterprise? Network marketing, in my opinion, is uh, one of the best form of the entrepreneurship, especially when people want to try if they have that entrepreneurial bone in their body. Because the basic concept is um, there are a lot of different companies providing different products and services, and uh, you can lock arms with a specific company if, uh, if you like the product, if you like the service that they're offering, 
in my opinion, you have to believe in that product. Otherwise, I cannot sell something I don't believe in. So find the product that you like and then um, see who is uh, running the company because you need to have the same values. You need to have, you know, for me, it's important to see their heart and their head and make sure that any company at some point in time going to go through, you know, struggles. And uh, if there is a good leadership at the top, they'll find a way to go through those struggles properly and they will save and grow the company to the higher heights. So understanding that part, but the basic business concept is uh, you look on, uh, with a company that you like and you pretty much go and represent those products and services to the world. But that's just the retail part of the network marketing. But the coolest and the most important part is you build a community and you build a team. And through that team, through that organization, you promote those products and you have the leverage because you make a little bit of a percentage of what everybody else uh, doing. So that's what uh, creates the residual income because you, especially if the company is working uh, around the world, while you're sleeping, somebody in Europe is working right. and they're making and generating a little bit of revenue, obviously, for the company and for you as a percentage, as a leader who brought them into this business. So to me, it's uh, probably one of the most lucrative entrepreneurial vehicles that I know. But again, because it's an entrepreneurial venture, cannot come with your employee mentality here. You cannot come and wait for somebody to, you know, tell you what to do and solve the problems for you. You need to become resourceful. You need to become, you know, responsible for your actions. You need to become your own boss. And the first rule of business shouldn't be like you're taking a day off, you know, right, right, <laughs> like right, a lot of people right. do. You should be coming into the business and saying like, you know what, I'm going to treat it seriously because when network marketing is treated seriously, it can deliver on all of its promises. You create a financial freedom for yourself and for the generations to come. But if you don't, if you treat it as a lottery mentality, if you treat it as, you know, you want to get something for nothing, if you're hoping to get rich tomorrow, it's not going to happen. Like, we're not selling magic beans here. <laughs> we're not selling magic beans. I love that. And I, I love the fact that you said you can't come here with an employee mentality. Right. You have to come in with an entrepreneurial you, mentality. And you actually, you can because majority of the people do come with an employee mentality, but you have to switch into the entrepreneurship. How do you make that switch? How do you make that transition? Because there's, there's a lot of women that maybe as an entry-level position, mm -hmm. you know, as this as their entry-level into entrepreneurship. Right. Because they're maybe they're making, wanting to make some changes at home. Maybe they want to open up their own business. Maybe this is, this is kind of a stepping stone to learn how to become an, right. an entrepreneur. But, but with, without any experience, what training is available for them to be able to walk through the process of that transition right. without feeling that they left alone? Well, in every company, there are, um, they have like uh, support systems and they have uh, different trainings that company provide. So you can learn about the product, you can learn about the service, you can learn about the business model, you know, how things work. And it's actually interesting because inside of network marketing space, your sponsor, the person who brought you into the business, they are financially interested in your success. Right. They're best and because of Right. And because of that, they want to help you. And because of that, they're uh, kind of like showing you the ropes, showing what how things work and everything. So um, there is a lot of support, way more than um, you would expect in the basic entrepreneurship, right? Because I can, when you try to open your own store, sure, you're yeah. on your own. Nobody's yeah. holding your hand. So that's why I think the network marketing as a profession is 
better form of an entrepreneurship because the company are taking those risks on themselves. They are taking charge of the product, their development and warehousing. They're responsible for the legal. They're responsible for, you know, making sure that all of your commissions paid on time and properly. All of those things that you as a business owner, when I opened my own store at 18 years old, I was doing all of those things. Sure. You know, entrepreneurship sounds sexy. Right. It sounds amazing at the parties. Look at me. I'm whatever. I'm a business owner. But nobody really talks about of the hardship. It's a lonely journey and it's hard. You are the person, uh, the first person to take all the risks, financial risks or whatever it might be. Sometimes you are raising the money either from the bank or sometimes from your family. And if, God forbid, the business fails, now you're losing money and the family, sure, you know, sure, all of those sure, things. Sure. And, uh, it, it's just interesting to see because network marketing provides a little bit of that safety net that helps you to kind of like get started and get going. But at the same time, uh, you still have to do the work. You still have to do the business and you have to, you know, talk to people, present those products and services to everybody else so you can build that network so you can create and generate that volume. But, you know, I just love this profession because especially for women, I think it gives that starting point. You know, if you're a single mom or not a single, just a mom or whatever, or you're coming from the corporate world, you have this opportunity to build a business around your own schedule. You know, wow. around your kids, wow. you still can, you know, have all different plays and sports games and everything that you need to bring your kids to. Right. But at the same time, build a business in between those family duties and responsibilities. So and there is no special education that is requirement. There is no, you know, you, you don't have to be specific you don't have age. A degree. You don't have right. to. You don't have to be like it doesn't network marketing, which is amazing to me, is the only profession I know that does not discriminate. Wow. It does not discriminate against your age, your skin color, your education, your where you're coming from. It doesn't matter, none of those things. So you can come as raw, as authentic, as bold and whatever, and you can make things work if you really put your time and effort and sweat equity into it. Marina, as I sit here and I look at you, uh, elegant, well put together, beaming in confidence, I don't see any sort of brokenness in you, whatever damage was done during that time period of that relationship that I'm sorry to hear, but that is part of life, as you said, yeah. that is part of our story. I love and respect that, that, that confidence and that beam that you do. And as a result of that, you have done the, the woman empowerment conferences. Is that mm -hmm. what they call woman mm -hmm. coming conferences? And the last event that you had, not only was a slew of celebrities, incredible motivational speakers, just a powerhouse of people that were here at this studio, but you had an audience from 140 different countries of over 180,000 people. Not bad from a girl <laughs> <laughs> that was trying to figure out what to do with two children a few years ago. Huh? Yeah. So tell us, how, do you, how were you able to put that together? Like I said, Eric came to my rescue at the time. So first of all, he gave me that concept of... I don't, I, I'm going to interrupt you, but I don't think you needed rescue. You just needed a little <laughs> bit of encouragement. Yeah, I, I just needed, you know, I just needed to find that belief. Yes. But, you know, when you're in the mess like that, when you're a mess and you're in the mess, it's hard to find that belief. So you need those outside voices that can help you to see a better future. They can help you see a vision. I'm going to interrupt you right there because that's very important. 
how do we differentiate the difference between the good, positive voices that we should mm -hmm. hear and the ones that we should tone out? How do we do that? First of all, uh, there is what we call law of association, right? Uh, law of association says that uh, you are an average of five people you're spending most of your time with. And uh, look around, see who you're spending your time with, take their income, divide it by five, and I bet you your income is around that number. Wow. And that means that because you're spending most of your time with these people, you are reading what they're reading. You are going to the places they're going to. You're eating what they're eating. You're exercising or not exercising. You're doing pretty much the same things, right? Because you're influenced by that environment. So if you do not like where you are today, that means that your five has to change. And, you know, it's interesting, inside of the five, a lot of people think that you want to be the top of that five. You want to be the coolest and the most successful of that five. And that's wrong. You just want to be in the circle. You, you want to be at the bottom of the five. Because right. guess what? If you are at the top, that average will pull you down. If you're at the bottom, that average will pull you up. So that's why I always try to associate myself with people who are much more successful, with people who are much more confident, with people who went down the road that I want to go to. Um, I have enormous amount of mentors. Eric and I were spending multiple six and sometimes seven figures a year on our personal development, on our education by, you know, spending the time with people who know what they're doing. You know, you have to watch the feet, not the lips. Because wow. uh, like Tony Robbins says, who is a good friend of ours, is like, uh, don't take a financial advice from broke people. Yeah. And that's what a lot of people do. We go to our brother-in-law, we go to our sister-in-law and whatever. It's like, oh, what do you think about my business opportunity? Wait, they don't know any better. Yeah. So you need to ask somebody who already built the business, who is successful, who, if you want to trade places with this person, then ask the advice. If you don't, don't. I love that. <laughs> I love that. Very well put. Now, you had Winnipatro, Lisa Nichols, and many, many other celebrities. How were you able to access that Rolodex of incredible personalities, powerhouses to change the lives of millions? How were you able to do that? Two things. One is network, and another one is money. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you cannot get through your network, you can get with money. So obviously, what I was looking for is not just the celebrity power. I was looking for confident and powerful women who have the entrepreneurial background, because uh, Gwyneth Paltrow and Kate Hudson, even though both of them are amazing movie stars, uh, the reason why I chose them is because of their entrepreneurial vibe. Because, ah. uh, you know, Gwyneth runs her own big business and Kate runs her own big business. And that's what I was interested in, you know. And it's fun to see when you have that star power, but then you hear the stories and they're just like you and me. Absolutely. And they are just, they were just that little girl who was uh, scared or who didn't believe in herself or whatever it might be. So that was fun. Lisa Nichols is a whole different story. Lisa is just so fun because uh, Lisa and I go way back, way before Lisa even knew that her and I go back yeah. because I was watching a movie Secret that Lisa was part of. And that's how I got to know Bob Proctor and Lisa Nichols sure. and John Asarov and all those people who later became our friends. And then later on, there was a situation when Lisa was doing a seminar in the Ukraine and my mom wow. attended that seminar. Really? And Lisa, out of the entire audience, picked my mom and they had a little moment. And at that time, my mom and I had uh, not the best relationship in our lives. And mom was asking Lisa's advice how to reconnect with me. Wow. And Lisa told her, you need to call her. You need to tell her, I love her. You love her and all that stuff. 
and, and that was it, you know. So I remember I was already in the United States, and I got a call in the middle of the night. My mom told me how much she loves me. And I was like, first, of course, the first thing is like, are you sick? Like, what's going on? <laughs> is anybody dying? What's, what's happening? So, and I never thought anything about it. And then last December, Lisa came to speak at our event. And first of all, I was like so excited to see this woman and finally tell her that how much I love her, how much I respect no her. No connection at that point yet. No connection about my mom. Wow. I knew about wow. the secret, but right. not about right. my mom. So, and Lisa and I had a little moment here and I like, I felt immediate connection with her. Like she's my, you know, sister from another mother. And that night I had a lot of, uh, not a lot, but a couple more speakers that they were supposed to fly out because like they were going to a different event. And I really wanted to have like a barbecue with them. And I was so tired. I was like, what about we grill at home? You know, we, I put like amazing steaks and you just guys come and they're just like, oh, but we have a flight. I was like, well, I have a plane. I'll fly you. Where do you need to go? Are you going to San Diego? Okay, I'll fly you on my plane. So I called the plane. Now, remember guys, this is a little girl that was broken a few years ago. <laughs> Now she has a plane. She can take you to her. Wherever you're going. <laughs> so I called the pilot. I was like, get the plane ready. As soon as we're done with dinner, they, you're going to fly my guests to San Diego. So, and uh, Lisa and a few other uh, people came to our house and get this. So my mom was super bummed because she couldn't come to the studio to uh, meet Lisa. And here Lisa comes to my house and my mom started crying. And your mom was there. Yes, my, my mom okay. lives with me right now. Okay. okay. So my mom lives with me here in the States in my house. And uh, my mom met Lisa now in a different place. Sure. In my house. And my mom doesn't speak very well English, but she started, like, as soon as she saw Lisa, she hugged her, and she started mumbling in the broken English, like, how much she loves her, and telling the story about me. Right. And that, and I started translating it, and that's when the first time I learned the, the background of yeah. that call in the middle of the night. So, and since then, Lisa and I has been great friends and met multiple times. So, wow! Yeah. What an incredible story. That's my story with Lisa. <laughs> wow, Mariana, you, um, as the CEO of, uh, of uh, Network Marketing Pro, and now the CEO of this incredible facility, you are changing the world all over again. Last December, the world changed for us. Well, last March, March right. 2020, the world changed for us. We were at a standstill. You had an event coming up, and you were going to cancel that event. What happened? We were actually we were not going to cancel the event. We thought that we we're going to figure out the way to do something. Okay. We just did not know what. Because I, I had I to cancel. I love that mindset. I love that mindset. I had to cancel the women's event because that was like happening in uh, April. Uh -huh. So that was like way too close. And I was like, oh, we don't know. It's like, what's going to happen? So I canceled the physical event. We actually postponed it. We moved it. Uh, but I said, um, I'm going to do like a five-hour free training. So I brought a lot of uh, amazing trainers. So we just did like a webinar-style event, and we had over 100,000 people watching it. Wow. It was fun, you know, but like, okay, I can keep them probably for five hours, but I cannot keep them like that for three days. So we were thinking about like, what are we going to do? Because... For our December event, we pre-sold uh, 7,000 tickets a year in advance. So we already had those 7,000 people coming. Okay. And we still thought that we could have the entire year to sell and double sure, and triple sure. that amount, sure. right? And when the whole COVID situation happened, obviously, we couldn't sell any more tickets because we didn't know what we're selling to, what's going to happen. And, you know, like probably parts of the world, we were crossing our fingers and hoping for the best that the world's going to open up. And hopefully, you know, by September, by October, you know, and then early August, actually late July, 
my husband and I are sitting and like, it's not opening up. It's not going to happen. We have to come up with something. We have to come up with something. So early August, we decided to build the studio. Uh, let me talk about this studio very quickly. I'm sorry to interrupt you. This is an amazing, amazing state-of-the-art facility, 25,000-plus square feet, 360 degrees, uh, LED walls, uh, floor-to-ceiling. I mean, it's just it's an incredible. Acoustics are incredible. You had over 180,000 people with a capacity, over 400,000 people worldwide that we were able to host at this event, right? Virtual and some light. So now, go on and tell us more about it. So in August, we decided that we need to build a studio, right? And we need to produce the virtual event. But obviously, by that time, everybody was sick and tired of Zoom. Everybody was sick and tired of the webinars. Everybody was sick and tired of one-way interaction. So uh, we thought that we need to have two-way interaction to make sure that people who are sitting at home, they feel the energy, they have that excitement, they feel like they're with you in whatever place you are doing an event. So I started kind of like looking around and I found a team that, um, and it's so funny because like I remember we had a team meeting and Erica's like, okay, we're going to build a studio. So who's going to build a studio? And he's looking around the room and I was like, I'll build a studio. I was like, I don't know how. I have no idea. I never built anything like this, but I was producing uh, all of our events for the last 12 years. So I understand the events world a little bit, but like in the live environment. So honestly, I had no idea what I'm getting myself into. But I was like, okay, I'm smart. I'll figure it out. And um, I found a team. And what's interesting, you know, the team that I found at the beginning was not the right team. And it was scary because... You know, when you put all the eggs in the basket and you're hoping that those people are the ones that you think they know the answers and you think they can help you to get to the finish line. And I only had three months to make it happen. And almost two, three weeks in, I realized that they are not the right team. They're not going to make it happen. And switching the horses in the middle of the race is scary. But as like, I have two choices. I know 100% I'm going to fail with them. But at least I have a chance if I find somebody else. So I found the team that actually, you know, everything happens in life for a reason. Absolutely. All of your experiences are leading you to the next experience, to something bigger. I was building a house here in Las Vegas for four years. I was mad and frustrated and it was the nightmare because four years is a very long time to build a house. It was supposed to be done in 18 months, maximum 24. Yeah. And it took four years, but I love to do everything right. You know, I love to do everything with high quality and style. <laughs> <laughs> so, and during that process, first of all, I learned a lot about construction. And what's interesting, a lot of people were asking me is like, oh, you're probably never, ever going to build another home. I was like, are you kidding me? I'll build another home in a heartbeat because now I know what no, I'm doing. No, yeah, yeah. Now I know what I'm doing. So You pay for the lesson. Exactly. Expensively, <laughs> by the way. But uh, it was interesting because that gave me a little bit of a confidence. And that also asking about the confidence, right? Those experiences, sure, sure. constantly those little victories, they build your confidence. So that gave me a little bit of a confidence that I can do it, you know? And when um, I found uh, the people who helped me build my house from the technology perspective, because they did a house as a favor because I was small peanuts for them because they build the stadiums, they build, they just build the Raiders stadium, they mm -hmm. build airports. So I was like, I need your advice. So I called them for advice 
And they became my, one of my main vendors, my main contractors who ran with this project. And because of them, you're seeing what you're seeing because wow. they are high-level professionals. Um, they guided me in the right direction. And it was, um, it, was, it was scary because we were committing a lot of money, money we did not have, to something that we had no idea if it's going to work. But that's what entrepreneurs do, right? Absolutely. We, we jump and we hope the net appears. <laughs> I do not necessarily recommend it to everybody else because what if it doesn't? But for us, I think that we've been blessed that uh, every time it would appear because of our grit, because of the hard work, because, you know, um, not surrendering to the obstacles and challenges and keep pushing through. And uh, 70 days later, the studio was born. 70 days later. From the absolutely empty shell, nothing. Nothing in here, no air conditioning, no power, no nothing. It was an empty shell. In the middle of COVID. In the middle of the COVID. Yeah. Yeah. We have over 30 miles of cables here. First of all, you're not going to see any, right? Right. right. Because oh, I want my place to be we nice and clean. So, but it, it was funny because like, first of all, I bought almost every single piece of cabling existing in the United States. And I remember we had a call with Yamaha uh, because we have quite some of their equipment. And uh, we had a call with Yamaha. And there's like, oh, yeah, that all sounds great and exciting. And that was like October. And uh, we had an event in December. And they're just like, so when are you going to commission the studio? Is that like a third to fourth quarter of 2021? I was like, no, it's in three weeks. So you better get to work. And, I, and they're just like, who is this insane woman? So I, I've been called insane a lot of times during those three months. But, uh, you know. Well, it takes it's a certain necessary. kind of madness to make magic happen, yeah, right? Exactly. <laughs> How is this venue going to change live events? What is the impact between online live events and live physical events where a lot of people are edging to get back out? Right. Okay. But what is the difference economically and what impact is this going to do to the world? Well, uh, first of all, I think that uh, we are still on the edge of the world does not know what the future of events going to look like. At least I think not everybody understands that yet. Right. Uh, everybody's still questioning, you know, because now, like you said, everybody itching to go back to the live events. But if you think about it, with the women's event that we had, uh, 180,000 people attending from all over the world. First of all, think about the logistics of that, right? How would you organize the event? where you host 180,000 people. First of all, there is no venue. There's no venue. There, there is no venue. There, yeah, there is yeah. no venue like that. Right. You need three football stadiums. Right. Three football stadiums to fit that amount of people. And there is no city in the world that can fit all those hotel rooms. There's no hotel rooms available. To put available. all these people. Right. That's not so available. with our audience, uh, that being a majority of the international it's going to cost them maybe 2000 or so on average to attend even a free event. Right. Because between the airfare, the transportations, the hotel, the, uh, the per diem, the food, trip, right. everything. Right. They would probably spend anywhere 2000 2500 So now do the math. We saved $360 million wow. to our audience. Right. Of the money they did not have to spend of the money that they can put back into their families, back into their communities, back into their bank accounts, back into their personal development, and still get the value. So that's 
huge thing for me. And they didn't have to travel. They didn't have to stay away from their families because even a three-day event turns into at least seven-day journey because you need to travel. You need to, you know, come a day early and leave the day after and all of those things, they all add up. So some, most of the time people just don't have time. And now with the whole COVID restrictions, the quarantines and, uh, not necessary ability to travel. I mean, it's just like so much complexity. So that's kind of like on the audience perspective because they have the same amazing uh, value of an event because of the two-way participation. We make sure that everybody's sitting on the edges of their seat. Everybody feel the energy. Everybody feel the excitement. Uh, through the technology, we are able to recreate the live environment as much as possible and, and from the comfort of, of their home. And, and tell us some of those bells and whistles. How are you able to engage the audience in here? We have all these different amazing faces on the screen, right? So you can put them bigger, you can make them smaller. And uh, right now, you're seeing that as a steady image, right? It's right. like a wallpaper. But at the actual event, all of these are actual people. Right. You're looking into their living rooms. You're looking into their lives. Sometimes you see the kids running around and dogs running around and jumping all over the place. So you see into their life, and they're looking into yours. Right. Uh, and You're really the, creating a feeling of intimacy. Right. Even though intimacy for 180,000 people, right? Yes. It's insane. Yes, yes. So, um, and we have the technical ability to pick any person you see in the wall and you can have a conversation with them. So we can blow up the picture big, we can unmute them, and you can have a conversation without no any latency, no nothing, and super clear sound, and you can have a conversation right there and then. So for the audience, what creates is they feel like, especially uh, when they want to engage with a speaker, they know that they can be called at any moment. So they're sitting a little bit on the edges of their seats. Even though they're still in their jammies, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. comfort of their home, they're a little bit more engaged. Plus, what we do, um, we call breakout sessions. So when the trainer presents whatever topic they're teaching on, then we break them in the smaller groups, groups of like three to six people, where they can do an assignment, where they can do a little interactivity piece between uh, the peers. And uh, that creates another level of engagement. Because if you think about the live event right now, right? And you have a huge audience. First of all, the the biggest space in Las Vegas, you can fit probably 20 to 25,000 people, right? If we're talking about Raider Stadium, 65,000 people, right? right? How would you do an exercise with 65,000 people can. in a stadium? You, you can't. Can. Because like if you can only say is like talk to the person on your left, talk to the person on yeah. your right, and that's about yeah. it. So there is no real engagement that right. you can create. And even if you're in a smaller ballroom and you have a couple thousand people, you tell them, it's like, hey, guys, we're going to take five minutes or ten minutes. We're going to do this exercise right now. What happens? Everybody, yeah. everybody go into the bathroom. Yeah. They get lost in the casinos and yeah. they never come back and all that stuff. Here, they kind of stuck. <laughs> they, have, <laughs> they have no place to go but interact with each other and yeah. actually do the exercise. And, you know, one of the interesting feedbacks that we got from that exercise is, People were, who are shy, people who are introverts, there's like, I had to talk to people for the first time. Wow. It put me out of my comfort zone, but it was so amazing. It was, yeah. it built a belief system, you know, it built the, the belief that, you know, they're capable and they're, right. they can do more and they can come out of their shell. So that was super fun. So all those little bells and whistles, like you said, they help people to feel that they're sitting in the room. They're sitting here with the, with the presenter. And of course, all the music, all the cheers, all the claps, 
all of that sound goes back into their um, speakers through their computers, um, and they can feel all that excitement. They can feel Absolutely. all that energy. And it changes for the speaker as well, because as a speaker, you feel that immediate feedback right there and there through their eyes, through the chat that we can throw on the screen. Uh, you can immediately have a conversation or address the issue, address concern or question they might have. And you also hear the same music. You also hear the same claps and cheers and everything. So it creates that unique energy and uh, interaction that the world haven't seen before. So that is super fun feature for me. But uh, from the perspective of organizer, like I said, think of a logistics of putting on a 180,000 people event. It's impossible. Absolutely. Think about the budget. How much would it cost you to produce three football stadiums? Absolutely. Event with the audiovisual production, with everything. So here, you have such a huge leverage as an organizer that you cannot find anywhere in the world. And the live event will never come close to it. Wow. Because you have the ability to reach people anywhere in the world, no matter, as, as long as they have internet connection, you can reach them. We translated our event into nine different languages and everybody had simultaneously. The same, simultaneously and everybody had the same energy and the same experience that English speaking audience with the same music, with the same claps and cheers and all that stuff. So it, it just, I, I cannot be more excited as a owner and as an event organizer of uh, what the future holds. Well, you built your own playground. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I, I built my own uh, venue for events. <laughs> I, I, I love it. What's next for Marina Worry? Ooh, we have, you know, one of the things that I learned through this whole process of building the studio, my confidence went through the roof because I proved myself of what I'm capable. And now one of the analogies that um, Eric used before, and I used it at the women's event, Inside of network marketing space or as any influencer, right, you have the ability to change lives of people, right? And uh, if you think about like when you throw a rock in the lake, right, you see that ripple effect ah, of the influences that you changed somebody, else, somebody else's life or you gave them one idea and they took it into action. And because of that, the ripple effect of the lives that is going to be changed is huge. So... One thing I realized that I'm done playing at the lake. Wow. I don't want to play at the lake anymore. So you're going to the ocean. I'm going into the ocean. So I want to throw a biggest rock in the ocean and see the ripple effect through the ocean and coming across. So Eric and I were working on a, on a project that I think definitely going to be the project, the biggest project we've done so far. And uh, it will help network marketing community and anybody in the world, really, to create a generational wealth. So that's what we're working on. I, I love it. I love it. You know, Marina, you a very inspiring woman. That magic that your mother gave you as a young girl has worked and is, and is coming through and is shining through. And I am honored and privileged to be in your presence. Thank you for the opportunity. What would be some closing words for the audience? I would say uh, think bigger, faster. You know, if one thing, because I, a lot of people say is like, oh, what if you would start all over again? What would you do different? First of all, nothing. Because all of my experiences, uh, they made me who I am. Without those failures, without those challenges, without those mistakes and obstacles, I would not be the woman I am today. So I'm grateful for all of that. But I would dream bigger, faster. 
I would allow myself to reach for the stars faster. Because right now, I and for, for a long time, I was thinking that I'm dreaming big. And uh, when I see what's possible, when I see the abundance this world has to offer, and you have the entire world as your playground, I would encourage you, just believe in yourself faster. Make goals so outrageously, so ridiculously big. And you will know if they're big or not, if they scare you. If your goals are not scaring you, you're not dreaming big enough. So give yourself permission to dream big and, uh, and reach for those stars. You can make it happen. Dream bigger, faster. Marina Worry. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Marina. Thanks for joining us today on another episode of the Coming Clean Podcast. Make sure to join Peter and his next guest on a brand new episode as we continue changing and impacting lives across the world. Share this episode with a friend, follow, subscribe, and leave a review. Go ahead and get it fast. Get a dash in my position, you will never last.